Hi, you're listening to Ministry of Self, a podcast where we talk about the importance of understanding the self, how others can influence who you are and why our emotions drive everything. The Ministry of Self will discuss many and varied aspects to allow you, our listener, to assess and if necessary, reshape your emotional life. I'm Jen Cromedy and I'm joined by emotional intelligence practitioner Mike Martin. Welcome to Ministry of Self. Hi, you're listening to Ministry of Self. This is episode three and I'm joined again by Mike Martin and my name's Jen Cromedy. In this episode, we're going to talk about the importance of language um, and I've worked with Mike as you might know if you've listened to previous podcasts I've worked with Mike for quite a few years and um, while it's challenging learning a bit more about the use of language and you know part of my profession is is writing for example but understanding how language can actually affect and inform some of the things that you really care about but also yourself and I thought I'll just um, hand over to Mike to kick off the chat welcome yeah thanks Jen um I've always been of the belief that communication is the way to solve anything and everything. But then it comes down to how, and over some years uh, put together a language master's program, which is freely used in the corporate space and uh, it, it gets changed every day. In a diverse community now, I think it becomes even more important. So I just thought we might talk about some of the aspects of language that you might like to think about. It's the ability to ask the right questions to get the desired outcomes. Um, For example, um, can you please help me understand, commits the other party to an answer that is relevant to the question. What is less effective is, sorry, I don't agree with you. That allows the other party to not have the answer that you really look for. So it's really putting the emphasis on the receiver to answer the question specifically rather than just to fob it off if uh, it becomes a difficult question. Another one is, um, what do you think it is that I'm missing here? Is part of my understanding lacking? If I missed the point, please fill in the gaps for me. Um, that's another way of saying, look, uh, I- I'm going to give you the chance to answer the question, but I do need an answer. And uh, I'm sorry, I can't stop until I get one because it's important to me. Another one is when, uh, and really important, is when you miss out on roles that you apply for, uh, even if it's a board position. And uh, I've always suggested to people that they ask a question, something like, uh, as I've missed out on the role here, what do you think I need to do to position myself better for the next time I apply? And can you please be specific for me? Uh, Because I need to work on these areas because I'm determined to achieve my goal in this space. In the, in the future. By doing that, you're going to expose anything that's not right. You're going to expose attitudes from the other person uh, who needs to understand that you are determined, you're not going to take no for an answer and you do want some detail to work upon so you can position yourself properly. Uh, another area uh, when things get a bit heated, for example, I can see that you're angry about this. I have a feeling that I've missed something. Can you please clarify for me? Then what you're doing is not keeping the anger in the conversation. What you're saying to someone, look, I don't know, 
I didn't mean to make you upset or angry, but uh, is there something I'm missing here that I'm not understanding that I really need to know here? Can you, can you please tell me? Uh, just, just another way of uh, bringing down the temperature but not giving up on the questions that you're asking because they're important to you. Um, in performance assessment, I've always found this to be quite a difficult area for leaders and managers to pursue. A lot of the time, uh, performance appraisals are the things that gather dust in the corner, never acted upon. I'm not quite sure why we do them. Someone said it's part of your PD, so I better do one. I, I, I just think that uh, uh, it's either a complete waste of time or almost ticking a box that you have no intention of pursuing. So, for example, a question around that, can you please tell me how you've arrived at your assessment of my performance so that I can start to work on these areas that you've nominated? Can I use your feedback as my development needs for the next appraisal period? Mm. In other words, you're saying to the leader or manager, because there is the difference, that if you're going to uh, um, want me to be better, what's the, what are the areas that you think I should be, given that I've put... Uh, my best foot forward and I just need you to tell me now what's my next step from your perspective and if I achieve those steps uh, where will that position me in the business in terms of promotion or development again it's committing the listener to an answer and I don't think uh, there's any other way and it's fair uh, you're not being a smart aleck you're just getting the right information about what's really important to you and then uh, in the area of development too, I'm always concerned about development. Sometimes we're hooked up to little courses that are downloaded from the states and, uh, oh, well, I've done this for you, uh, tick that off, here's another certificate for your wall and uh, I've done my bit as a leader, I don't need to do any more and you can't say to me that I haven't helped you. So a question in that space. I've continuously asked for some development to occur in this area over the past 12 months. Do you think that it's time for me to move on from this? And if so, what is the reason I should do this? Given that I believe it's important to me, but given also that you haven't really helped or positioned me to be able to do this, uh, am I missing something here? Is it not relevant to me? I really need to know because uh, I need to develop myself and can you please help me understand why it is my idea isn't relevant and why I should move on from it if that is in fact your opinion. So, that's, so Jen, that's the sort of thing mm. I'm saying about asking the right questions and getting the right answers. The other part of this, it's very hard for managers to be discriminatory in this area if you ask the right questions. So this is uh, a gender-neutral situation where it doesn't matter who you are, what position you're in, the better the question the better the clarity and to me it teaches leaders and managers straight away that they cannot ignore you they cannot have old thoughts in their head about uh, what they think you're like without giving you the chance to develop and they can't ignore you as a person who wants to do well in the business i'll take a breath and say that there's a couple of things i wanted to say while you were speaking but mm. hearing the whole list of questions and some people obviously for the first time hearing these sorts of questions. Um, I'm not sure if I have a question or more of a comment, so I'll just talk for a moment. Mm -hmm. So if you are asking these questions, you can be interpreted as curious, which to me is no bad thing. 
um, the questions I think hold the listener to a certain level of accountability. I mean, there's shared accountability, but it's, you know, holding people to that. Um, and then there's also a, a request for honesty, which isn't always easy in those sorts of environments. So if you are in that situation and you want to pursue this line of questioning, um, some people will be in the circumstance where they're fearful, perhaps whether it's for their job or, and I'll speak from a female perspective where, um, you know, there's data that says women don't ask for pay rises, they, you know, as well as men, let's say, um, or they don't feel like they can put themselves forward as well as, say, men do in a work environment. So coming from a female perspective, um, I feel like having these sorts of questions are an interesting way for women to actually talk about their performance in a work environment. But going back to what I said, this idea about curiosity, honesty and accountability are the sorts of things that I don't see a lot in workplaces. Mm. Um, so it's more of a reflection to say I know how this questioning can work in sometimes um, an aggressive environment say you're having a really big debate in a board or you're actually in a work situation where perhaps you are doing a review um, and maybe things aren't going that well and um, you want to try and make sure that the other person feels as though they can actually have this dialogue with another person whether it's their manager or as you say leader versus manager so I just thought from that um if you are in those situations and you're talking to someone who is arguably in authority over you, you're often coming in an environment of trepidation, of fear, of um, insecurity. How do you feel if you're that person these questions can assist? Yeah. Look, I, I think it really helps uh, leaders of today and the future to have staff that ask these questions because it allows the leader to grow. I don't think it helps the manager's style that really wants to be in control uh, too much unless that manager wants to change. So to me, a very important part of the questioning is, is to make sure you're helping the leader or manager out. To understand you probably, in order for them to become much more uh, sophisticated in their management style given that we are in a very diverse and wonderful community now where those among us can be who they like and need to be like. And that brings into question how leaders develop those skills or how managers develop those skills and uh, what they need to be in the future to cope with and cater for. So the leadership stuff and the language mastery uh, work hand in hand in so much as staff need to ask the questions to get the leaders to understand exactly where they're coming from and what a wonderful thing it is to have a group of staff that ask you questions to make you better as a leader. Th that's utopia in leadership. Mm. I just want to clarify the difference again between a leader and a manager, if I may. Mm. A leader is all about people. Uh, a manager to me is much more about process and product. I think there's a clear difference there and I don't think the future will allow managers to uh, exist too long but I think it's a wonderful time for leaders who really don't have to be the very best at anything to be a great leader. If your empathy is there, if your ability to answer questions honestly is there, the people that you lead will embrace you and uh, will depend on you to be honest back with them. So it's very much a two-way street. 
you ask the right question and they ask the question of you, it's a very, very solid field and it takes away takes away any confusion about the role or clarity around the role. So to me, it's just the new age of communication at play, Jen. This might be a slight diversion, but um, in the last months and weeks, there's been a lot of discussion about the um, advanced nature of artificial intelligence and the role that humans then play if artificial intelligence gets to the point where, I don't know if you saw this, Mike, but they've trained or taught, let's say, I know artificial intelligence can teach itself to pass the bar exam in the US to 90% of the time, which is more than a human. So you turn around and you go, you were saying managers of the password process and product focused versus leaders being about people. So I look at this and go, it's almost imperative that as humans we become focused on humans, other humans, people, as opposed to process and product because you're going to have artificial intelligence in years to come being able to do these roles that are either, you know, someone told me years ago I was considering being a lawyer. Mike, I don't know if I've told you this, but at high school I was going to do arts law at Melbourne Uni and someone came to me and said, Jen, good lawyers or people who go into law, you know, are, are, let's say bright, but they just have to learn things by rote and they get bored very quickly. Not for you, Jen. So I went more arts, which, you know, I've sort of stuck to to this day. But I look at that and go, if you've got a situation where accountants, lawyers, these really highly credentialed professions being taken over from an artificial intelligence point of view, why wouldn't you want to understand these sorts of lines of questions and leadership mm. styles for the future if, you know, pretty soon maybe the way those ways of working will be redundant by no choice of our own so I just thought I'd pose that because that was my first thought um, and then when you were talking about the questions being a way for staff to help grow that person who is in charge let's say to be a better leader or a better person I think that would be a real I, I won't swear a real change of mind for a lot of people who are in those environments where they feel like they don't have as much power so it's almost like shifting as well. These are two really big things that came to my mind when you were talking. Yeah. Artificial intelligence to me is is really described by the name artificial. And I, I'm not, I mean, I'm okay for uh, having things in its place. I'm okay for having uh, information and data placed that we know about, that we don't have to learn about, that we can use from that perspective artificially. Uh, but, I, but I think... Uh, I think the more we lose our ability to keep learning and changing, uh, we'll inhibit ourselves as people. And so what's really important is, again, getting back to your point about teaching the leader, is uh, how are they going to survive if they don't understand you? The one thing leaders aren't, they're not mind readers. The staff and employees, if you want to put it that way, are just parts of equality within a business. The leader sits somewhere in there. But they're never going to survive if they can't be taught by the staff themselves. That's, that's not artificial to me. That's real. That's real communication, real emotion. I haven't heard artificial emotion yet <laughs> and, and one hopes that I never do. No, I understand. Uh, because yeah. to me, I think if we get propped up enough mm. by artificial anything, then our ability and need to be us naturally diminishes dramatically, which I can see then 
will impact relationships, uh, growth, our belief systems and our sense of self, I think, would really, really be diminished along the way. Uh, I acknowledge that everything fits somewhere, but where does it fit to allow that we just still grow normally and organically uh, to a point where we really are defining ourselves as ourselves and are recognised as such by others? They're really powerful things to talk about. Um, So when you talk to them about... When people talk about AI or artificial intelligence, I think sometimes they forget that first word, artificial. Yes, we're talking about machines that can do incredible things because their computing power is far beyond the capacity you'd assume of most humans. Um, But this idea about emotions and emotionality, I know we've talked about before. (coughs) So I just thought I'd bring it up because it is quite topical and there's a lot of concern about what role do humans play, which I find an incredible question to ask but it does come back to how we see ourselves as humans and I'll reflect a little bit on um, perhaps my journey to say that you think about skills that you have so you've got a technical skill that you might be really good at and you identify as a person through that skill as opposed to identifying with who you actually are and I think as we I just think the <clears throat> the impacts of artificial intelligence will force us to have these conversations more and more and it will force those in positions of influence, let's say, and power to think about what it is to be truly human because otherwise we're not going to get, um, I'd say, the full benefits of working with other people if we don't understand this. So I think it's come at the right time. It's always a good time to do these things but I think it's come at the right time where people are genuinely questioning this from a work perspective, if not from a world perspective. Mm. So I just think it's just so pertinent for us to be able to try and get people who are in these positions to ask these questions of ourselves and of others. Well, I think, I mean, you can't have artificial love, for example. (laughs) And uh, to me, I think our Mm. desire as humans to be loved, we deserve that and we earn that. And I'm not for taking anything that's natural to us away from us as a development tool and uh, to further enhance our life. Uh, I have a great faith in humans. I, I know that uh, we battle uh, all of our lives in certain areas but also know that we've got the strength and character and courage to bring us back to where we belong without needing too many things that sort of make assumptions for us. And as I say, you can't make artificial assumptions about emotionality or love or even survival in my book. I think it gets down to who we are and what we are and what we're willing to back ourselves on. It's the mistakes we make that make us brilliant, really. Mm. And uh, so if there's an artificial mistake machine out there, it probably (laughs) won't sell too well. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And when we talk about things like mistakes, um, we've... I've, I've listened to a lot of different or read books as well about um, the journey that we're all on as humans and this idea of failure leading to learning. Um, in this environment, this is probably a pointy question, this is what I was sort of trying to say before but probably not that well, which is if you feel like you're in a position where you are vulnerable, where you might be going through a performance evaluation where you need to ask questions to help self-improve. How can we actually help people get the mindset to be able to be prepared to ask those questions? You know, they might be really nervous or concerned. Sure. Well, 
the two most powerful things, uh, assets of vulnerability and risk, uh, they are actually attached to our natural self, our natural core of emotions. Uh, vulnerability to me is uh, a power source. It allows you to uh, almost be defenceless to ask an innocent question which is based on real honesty of a person who needs to recognise that they need to answer it properly. So I don't see vulnerability as anything other than an asset. And I go back to the fact that uh, I've known some pretty significant humans in my life and their stuff-up file is far more interesting and fascinating than their success file, all because they've managed to allow some vulnerability. And after all, we're the only ones feeling vulnerable when we ask a question too. Usually the listener is too preoccupied to even see it. So vulnerability is a safe space to be in because it's your vulnerability, but what it does is alert you to the truth about what you're asking about. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't allow you to get off the point. It's one of those, again, powerful mindsets that brings about honesty and a, and a need to ask a question that's relevant to you. But I really don't see it as, a, as anything other than an asset, Jen, and uh, I've always thought that way. And I've always enjoyed, and we used to have this club of CEOs that had this competition for the best bottle of wine in the, in the middle of the table about who had the biggest stuff-ups. And the competition to win that was enormous. Now, bear in mind, these people are all CEOs, all got to the top, and they were drawing their success pathways and the downsides were so much more significant than the upsides. But as you draw a line through the downsides and upsides, it's still a pattern to the top. And that's how they got there. And that brings about humility. It brings about the fact that you can, you can naturally operate as you without adding any airs and graces or, or falsehoods around your personality. And all because you allow yourself to be vulnerable all because you don't need to know an answer, which you could call risk, and all because you want to back yourself because you're a strong human underneath, no matter how nervous you feel. Mm. I might just get you to reflect on a couple of those questions again because if people haven't heard these questions before, uh, sometimes it takes some learning. It literally takes learning to mm. understand and, and it, it is termed mastery of language, so it does take time to master it. What is the first question again, if that's okay, that you would assume? The first question was, uh, um, can you get me to help understand, uh, commits the other person to an answer that's relevant to the question? What is less effective? Sorry, I don't agree with you. That allows the other party mm. not to have to answer your question properly. Yeah, so I think it was that duality, I suppose, because when... Um, you're in situations where perhaps you've been hurt or you vehemently agree because someone has said something overtly, I'll say offensive or whatever it might be, you have to manage how you feel in that environment to come out with language that is actually really open and, and as I said, vulnerable and it would appear that way, curious as well. So I think it's going back to saying if you're that person and I've been in, you know, meetings where I've heard things and gone, oh, you know, I, I, you take it really, let's say personally because you feel it's unjust or whatever it might be, what would you say to people to be able to just get that sense of, let's say, balance back to be able to ask the question in um, a really calm way? One of the most uh, 
strongest part of us is to be able to say to someone, look, I've got some questions to ask and I'm feeling really nervous about it. That positions the listener in a much, much uh, better place to answer it because it doesn't matter if you're saying I'm feeling vulnerable. It doesn't matter if you say I'm feeling nervous. It actually positions you in a much stronger place because then the listener has to act for you. So it's not an issue about being nervous, not an issue about not knowing uh, the outcome before you ask. It's, It's the question of allowing your natural emotions to be there in an honest fashion. So I've been in that position many times, Jen, by saying to a a person who's been running my life, this this is a pretty nerve-wracking situation for me, but for me to get better, I need to ask these questions if you don't mind and could you please be specific so that I can grow from what you tell me. (laughs) I'm absorbing everything that you said and I think it will be really interesting to see how many people can actually start thinking about the way that they ask questions because this is just a philosophical statement but we're coming from an environment where organisations, particularly um, large organisations, I'll say maybe small as well, but, you know, this is about control and power and the language that is used when people want to control, let's say, a conversation, let alone, you know, a situation to navigate that and and bring this sort of language into that mix, it can be really confronting because it's, as you said, you said something like it's the natural emotion and allowing the honesty Mm. of that human to come through. And as soon as people hear, and I have used some of this language, particularly when I've been in situations where I felt this is like a problem I can't kind of resolve, I'll try and you know, put myself in the mix with this sort of language is that people are really almost taken aback. They don't expect it because they're not used to hearing it. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's probably not a question in it other than you're in environments where this is not the way that people speak to each other, particularly in a work environment. Well, I think we need to get round to it because the workplace has now changed. Again, Mm. we get back to the diversity and inclusivity, the gender neutrality, the fairness and respect is the only way uh, businesses will now uh, succeed and that should be the case. But I think uh, asking great questions uh, depowers the powerful. I think it changes the dynamic completely from what was once an expected respect Mm. from the position they sit within to now reality comes around and it changes that dynamic completely to one that says uh, the question asked in the most honest way must get an answer from the person who once had control that no longer has. Now, uh, I know that's a big change for people because power covers only one thing and that's insecurity in my book. Mm. Uh, But those that are secure are happy to say I'm nervous. They're happy to say, God, how am I going to get through this? They're happy to say I've stuffed this up. And uh, they're the ones that I look at and say, wow, this is so easy. I'm communicating with a real human here. (laughs) And even though they're running the business, I'm now seeing that I'm free Mm. to grow around a person who can actually lead another human being from an emotional perspective. So what I would say to that is it sounds so simple because it's actually the truth. Mm. And I've been in situations where you are hit over the head with what is the truth. Mm And it does seem really obvious. So um, I'm hoping if people are listening, they're actually 
reflecting on the sort of language that they hear or the language that they can use. Mm. So if people are listening now and go, I want to hear more about this, um, I, I suppose it's how do we build on this and then perhaps because we've almost used up, I don't like going more than half an hour, but, you know, what would be the next step around this? I just this? think we need to keep talking about it and mm. offer a facility for people to come and talk about it if they'd like, mm. to produce some groups if they'd like. And uh, the one message about this too, Jen, we've got to understand that complexity was produced to hide things in. <laughs> Simplicity is not. Simplicity <laughs> and I talk about complication hard. as well as complexity. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and so to get, we want to we want to be able to produce some uh, or develop some even some programs for people to join us within mm. along the way, and we're happy to do that. I think it's time for all people to be heard. And I think they should be heard uh, in a sense that shows their vulnerability, which is a brilliant strength. We need to be heard so that our stress levels drop away because we're being heard. And I think we need to have environments where people can develop on the basis that they're recognised for who they are, what they represent and are empowered to get to their own top without being held back by any restrictions, anything that... uh, uh, is prejudiced in any way and uh, let's have a brand new world of people that have got great mental health, not encumbered now by fear and can relax and let their natural creativity come to the top, uh, which I can tell you will flow into their natural life as well as work life, relationships and all that thing. And, Jen, it is possible. So what we see as hard is simple but it just needs our courage and our faith in ourselves. We do not have to worry about other people's faith in ourselves. It's our faith in ourselves that really matters. Yes, well, I might leave it at that in the sense that I mean, I can see how changing the way we even talk to each other mm. helps us understand each other, but it's coming from a position of feeling... Um, I won't use the word safe, but understood from within yourself so your voices are heard. And it does then, it does physically release stress. Sure it does. 100%. Mm. I'm saying that from my perspective. When you use language like this, it is really interesting how the other person sometimes visibly relaxes as well to go, oh. You're helping the other person, absolutely you are. Yeah. And it's just something that we were born quiet, we need to stay quiet for the rest (laughs) of our life. I understand what you mean. (laughs) I might leave it at there and say thanks to Mike Martin again. Um, You've been listening to Ministry of Self and uh, hopefully if you've got any questions, just get in contact with us. Otherwise, we'll hopefully hear from you for the next episode. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for listening to the Ministry of Self podcast. Mike and I believe that it's for all of us to think about who we really are or what we can become if we're emotionally strong and fulfilled. The gifts accorded to us such as creativity, skills, beliefs and strengths are all much more enhanced when linked to our healthy emotions. If you're interested to reach out, you can contact us via the links in this podcast description. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you keep listening to the Ministry of Self podcast.